sermon for you. Uh, good morning. God is good. Well, you're supposed to say all the time, and then I'm going to say all the time, and you're going to say, God is good. All right, all right, let's try that again. God is good. And all the time, uh, it is such a privilege to be here with you. Uh, my name is Danny Martinez. I have the privilege to serve you as the superintendent of our central conference. Some of you don't even know what that is, and that's okay. That's why I'm here. Uh, and some of you don't, know, you don't know that you are actually part of a denomination called Evangelical Covenant Church. And uh, part of uh, the reason why I'm here is because I have heard so many good things uh, from my friend, uh, Dr. Boaz. Uh, he kind of likes you. <laughs> he, uh, he's, and he, everything he told me so far has been true. A multicultural church that loves God. Is that, is that true? Amen. The ones that didn't answer are not sure. Uh, <laughs> hopefully you'll be sure by the end of the sermon. Uh, if you go on the next slide, I just want to bring you a, a little bit up to speed with who we are. We're, uh, go on the next slide, please. Uh, 108 churches in, in, in five different states. And uh, that's really about 112 to 115, which recently adopted some churches. We adopted a uh, Filipino church, and we adopted three Korean-American churches. So we are so excited about that because we're growing. And part of what I want you to know about our denomination is that we're multicultural. We believe that uh, we're better together. Apparently, I'm the only one that believes that. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so if you go on the next one, you will see that we're in five states. We're in Illinois. That's where you are now, in case you were out. Indiana. Missouri or Missouri, depending what part of the state you're at, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So part of what I've wanted to do, even though it is not part of my job to visit the churches, I wanted to visit every single church in, the, in, in our five-state area. Sometimes I have to drive all the way to the UP, which is about six hours. How many of you know the UP? Okay, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And I got to tell you, you know, as, as a Latino young kid from uh, the city of Chicago, that I, I really never went there before, and that was an experience. I went there, what I thought was the beginning of spring, it was in March, and um, I had the privilege to preach to the men. I love preaching to, in men's retreat, it allows me to bond with, with our men and, and form the next generation of, of uh, men that will be leading uh, their homes, their, their churches, etc., and uh, they came up to me the second day and said, Pastor Danny, we have something really wonderful we want you to do. And I go, what, what's that? We want you to do a polar bear jump, or I think that's what it was called. Uh, dip, dip, there we go. And, uh, and I go, so I, that sounded like ice cream. I was in, you know. And, and they're like, what was that? What is it? And they're like, well, the, the, the lake is still frozen. They lost me right there. And then we make a hole... And then we jump in the water. <laughs> and I say, why would we want to do that? Is the water hot? Oh, no, it's freezing. I go like, no, no, I'm Latino. We don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't jump from working, perfectly working airplanes. We don't swim with the sharks. We don't bungee jump. You know, I'm not into extreme sports at all. That's a different race. Okay, so let's continue. <laughs> We're also in, in, in Wisconsin, which is God's country. 
Uh, and if you go on the next one, if you go on our website, we're uh, right now building up this, this incredible website that will allow lay leaders, which will be our focus for the next few years, uh, on training and developing leaders that want to serve the church well. Uh, if you go on the next one, people have been calling with my picture there thinking I'm Antonio Banderas. I want you to know I am not. And if you don't know who that is, I need a, a fresher reference for Latino ministry, I believe. And go on the next one. This is our staff. Even though we serve 100 and plus churches, we only have five people in staff, really three full-time positions. That's a lot of work. Uh, it's, what is it that we do? We walk with churches in time of, of joy, and we walk with churches in time of, of difficulty, whether it's a, uh, you know, caring for the pastor, caring for a conflict. You've heard of a church splitting up before, haven't you? And it is our job to walk alongside churches. And uh, we have some really incredible people. Next to me is Debbie, our associate superintendent, which if you could, uh, I would love for you to pray for her. She recently lost her mother this week. So um, after a long, long, long time uh, of suffering. Uh, in the middle is Pet. Excuse me, Patty, who rules the world. She's our manager. She sets up all of my appointments, handles my, all of my, my business. So I, I, I'm glad I know where I'm at right now because, you know, she put it on my calendar. The next one is Jill Lynn, who does congregational care. And uh, the last one is Peter Schoblum, whom some of you know. And Peter does pastoral care as well as pastoral placement. Right now, Redeemer is going through, a, through a, a, a different time, right? We're going through a time of transition where you're wondering who your next pastor will be. And we want you to know that we are excited to provide with a lot of different choices and opportunities for you. Does that sound good? Good. Okay, sounds good to me. Now, one of the things, go on to the next one. Uh, one of the things that you will see from, uh, a, if you visit a Covenant churches, you will visit churches where they don't clap. You will visit churches where they clap a lot. I, I never know where I'm going to be. So last, a couple of weeks ago, I preached in an African-American church. By the way, have you ever worshipped at an African-American church before? I think you should do that. Yeah. At least once, okay? I lost 20 pounds in the worship <laughs> service. And I gained it right back after the worship service. We went and had some really good food. But uh, we, we have people with choirs and robes, and we have people that dance. Uh, my, my home church, which is in the north side of Chicago, Belen Covenant Church, uh, they, they, they put on these wonderful uh, dresses, and they, and, and they lead us in, in dancing, etc. So I want you to know, we are a family of, we, the Covenant ethos is not one particular worship style, but we're a mosaic of people. And uh, being here today reminds me of a church that I planted in South Central LA, which was also multicultural like yourselves. And I want you to know that doing a multicultural church is difficult, and it can be messy. Sometimes there's a lot of misunderstandings within one race. Imagine putting a bunch of them together. And if you listen to the media and you listen to the news, we're not supposed to get along with one another. Uh, 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 no one say amen. Uh, uh, I, I, we're not supposed to get along. In South Central, it was African Americans against Latinos. We were not supposed to get along. But guess what? If we're in Jesus Christ, oh, this is where you get excited. When we are in Jesus Christ, we're one. You can't punch yourself. At least I hope not. Anyway, 
Thank you. Somebody laughed there. Go on the next one. We are better together. So as we get into the sermon today, I want you to know that what we're thinking about what is it, what's going to happen with our conference and our denomination and how are we going to be moving together as a church. I know that you care about Redeemer. I want you to be able to also care about the mission and vision of the Central Conference. So if you go on the next one, uh, look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. If you have it, uh, my pastor used to say, always bring your Bible. Don't trust that I'm telling you the truth. Read it for yourself. And you can take out your phone if you like. Or we actually, one of the covenant churches, one of the biggest covenant churches in the, in, in the covenant, it's called Life Church in Oklahoma. And they developed uh, the Bible, the Bible uh, app. And if you have it, you already have a covenant, uh, a covenant uh, a tool. Jeremiah 29, 11. Would you read that with me? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, God has good plans for you. Let's pray. Father, would you open up our uh, ears to hear what the word of God would like us to know. We thank you because you love Redeemer. You love them uh, more than anyone else because you've died and you've redeemed it yourself. Thank you for your loving goodness in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I like Jeremiah 29, 11. And as, um, and as a preacher, I always want to give context to the scriptures because sometimes we read scriptures very in a superficial way. We look at scriptures and we think, that's it. So I want you to know, if you ever look at a verse and you don't understand it, look at the verse before and look at the verse after. If you still don't get that, read the whole chapter. And if you don't get it after reading the whole chapter, read the whole book. And if you don't get it after the whole book, you know, you need help, right? You need, you need someone to sit down with you and show you, this is why we're a church. So every Sunday, we want to learn something new about the Word of God. Every time we get into a small group, we want to learn something more from God through our, through our, our people. God is, is good, certainly, but we need to know what plans He has for us. Go on to the next one. The context of Jeremiah is not a good, con it's not a good context. Uh, the reason is, this Jerusalem had been invaded, they had been uh, really destroyed, their wall had been down, which was the defense to uh, foreigners, people that wanted to come and, and destroy the people of God. Jerusalem, the Israelites have a special place in God's heart. Can I hear an amen? amen? So, now, people came, the Babylonians destroyed the wall, and they took all the people, listen to this statement really well, they took away all the people they thought had value. Now, I don't know if you get that, but they didn't take everybody away. They took the royalty, they took the people that had money, they, had, they taught the people that were scholarly, and the ones that they thought were good looking. So I don't know if I would have made it. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if we would have made it, but that would have been a little awkward, right? <laughs> Only the people that they thought had value were taken away. And the rest were left to fend for themselves. Without a wall, they were vulnerable to attacks any other time. 
The reason that I bring that is because when God says, I have good plans for you, and your circumstances don't match those promises, we tend to be heartbroken. We tend to really doubt God. Because most of us follow God on a very emotional basis. And I love emotions. I love worshiping. I love crying. I love dancing. I love all of those things. But all of those things do not matter if I'm outside of the church and not practicing what I think is true. And one of the things that are, is dividing uh, our, the church of Christ right now is that people say they believe one thing, but they practice another. Politically, we are so divided and so, so extreme. I have never seen so much extreme in God's house when I know the politics of Christ. And let me tell you, the politics of Christ is love God. You know, uh, you help me out here. Heart, soul, mind, strength, right? And then it says something else that I don't really care about. What's the second part? Love who? Oh, yeah, I don't like that. And apparently most of us don't. Mm-hmm. That's called a, uh, I, don't, I forgot what it's called. We do that in the African-American church. So don't be weirded out about that, okay? But at the end of this, you'll be doing that too. Uh-huh. You go, uh-huh. very good, very nice. I like that. Dr. Ross is going to say, what did he do to you? <laughs> I don't recognize this. Jerusalem was in, in ruins, and now it's time to rebuild the wall, but there's no one that's doing that. So let me give you a little bit of context. One of my professors used to say, don't ever manipulate a text out of context as a pretext. Because some people like one verse and they stick to that one, right? And, and the one that we're famous for defaming is what? Philippians 4.13. What does it say? We all know it, right? What, is, what does it say? Todo lo puedo en Cristo que me fortalece. Say, oh, I can do all things in Christ. That, give me strength. I see that in people that ran mar marathons. And I usually say, well, the Lord be with you because I won't. <laughs> and they go, oh, well, I can do all things in Christ that give me strength. But if you read the verses before that, it tells you why he gives you strength. Paul says, I have learned to be content with nothing. Uh -huh. Thank you. Oh, love it. I love it. I love it. I'm taking some of you with me on the road. I have learned to be content with nothing. Huh. And I have learned to be content with everything. That's why I can do all things in Christ that give me strength. Well, I don't like Paul anymore. Because the American dream is excess, right? Have as much as you can. Accumulate wealth. Do everything that you can for yourself. And let's grow. And, and we come to the state. I came, my family came to the States because we had no opportunities in my country. They're, they're from Central America, a very poor country. And I'm very glad that I'm here now. But what happens with the way that we look at God that gives us a lot and the same God that sometimes doesn't provide what we want Him to provide at the time that we want Him to provide it. Let's go on the next. Let me read a little bit of the context. And it says in verse 4, This is what the Lord Almighty... Go on the next one, please. The God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile. Who carried them into exile? The Lord. This is hard. Because the reason they're in this spot, the Lord says... 
is because he took them out of Jerusalem. Okay, I'm not really liking this. Because this, this is a, such a nice verse. Why are we going to mess it up? And he says to the people, build houses. Wait a minute. What we're praying for, if you were taken away, is for you to be brought back to your city, to your people, to your language. Language is important. Latinos get on people's nerves because anytime we see a Latino, we already, we, the, our default language is Spanish. And we're like, oh, how rude. And I felt that. Oh, but we love our language because language is part of who we are. And it's important, acknowledging people's language. But it says, build houses and settle down. The Lord is a little bit confused because they're, they're asking to be released from that. And the Lord's saying, you're not going anywhere. And since you're not going anywhere, you should plant home. You should plant uh, a, gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, huh? have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. This is going to be long-term, God's people. And this is what some, we have to understand. Because we are people of privilege, and I'm the first one to admit my privilege. Because we have some means. We believe that God is Santa Claus. And if you don't believe that, look at the way we pray. God, give me. God, give me. Oh, by the way, give me more. Give her a little bit. But give me, give me again. Right? And when Jesus was asked by the disciples, how should we pray? He said, oh, well, let me show you. First, worship God. Make sure that he's your father. Make sure that you have a relationship. And then you say, let your kingdom come. And what? Your will. Huh, I don't like that verse. Let your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. I admit it's hard for me to pray like that sometimes. Father, do what you want with me. Do the plans you have for me. So my job then, Father, is to align to whatever you're, you're bringing into my life and to set up myself in the place where you're going to need me and use me as the way that you want me to be used. But I have dreams, I have hopes, I, oh, you know, just, and yet we're never fulfilled with stuff. We wanted a house. We saved so long for a house. Now we have a house, and we're like, oh my goodness, air conditioner broke down. And there's a never-ending problem, right? And then you wanted, oh, you know, I, I'm so alone. I, I, I want someone. I want something special. You know, without uh, my other half, I am nothing, right? Then you find it, and then you're like, oh, my goodness, why did I get married? <laughs> Hopefully you go back to, you know, feeling good about that, right? <laughs> and then you said, oh, I want little mini-me's. You remember mini-me? You know you are, right? Yeah? You're, I, I, you know, I, that will give me fulfillment. And then you're like, oh. What was I thinking? <laughs> My kids are the most beautiful thing in this life for me. And I love them. Most of the time. I know some of you want to say amen, but they're next door. So you don't want to do that. I remember I was in South Central LA. 
And my oldest son, who was probably 13 at the time, became very snarky with me in the grocery store. And I wasn't always a pastor. <laughs> and I wanted, but I, I, I wanted to see how I could anoint him in his neck with both of my hands. <laughs> and I was, as, as I was going to do that, two ladies from my church said, Hi, Reverend! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hi. <laughs> Wait until we get home. hermanas. <laughs> How are you? I'm the only sinner here, apparently, right? Because <laughs> your kids can try you, but that's a, different, that's a different sermon, okay? Verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. How do we seek the peace of the place where we are? How do we invest? What you did with children today, by the way, was a holy thing this morning investing, loving these kids, these kids that are being bombarded by the internet, these kids that are, that are going into a world where they can access porn from their phone, these kids that, that you know, our enemy wants their souls. And this is not just to scare you, this is so that you can know that this is a real thing. Your children are going are, are gonna to depend and holy guidance from you, and holy guidance from the church, because our enemy wants our, our family. He wants to destroy our families. So it is time for us. This, what you did today, thank you for doing that. Thank you for acknowledging that they felt, I'm sure, so, they're like, oh, they're looking at me, and, uh, and one of them thought they had a zit, and, you know, and I, I noticed a lot of them had very big feet, for their little bodies. You know, that awkward stage of life, you know. I have three, okay? So I can say that, okay? I remember one of my sons, he has like 12, 12 size 12 for a 10-year-old. You're like, what the heck? I'm like, I don't have size. Anyway. Yes, eight. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets... And diviners among, this, among you deceive you. Hmm. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is why being in a multicultural church is really important. You get to hear people's stories. You get to hear people's realities, and it's not always the same. I recently went to a church, and I was stopped by the police. And, you know, my training as a Latino, I always drive while Latino. So I always bring down all four of my windows. I am telling you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I bring down all of my four windows. Turn on all the lights, put my hands on the wheel, and smile. <laughs> and I was asked, who are you? I'm like, here's my license, my registration, everything in order. Yeah, we don't know who you are. Well, I, I, my first time in this city. Yeah, what are you here for? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, and I'll be preaching at this church. Oh, 
okay. They went back to check, to make sure that my registration was okay. But in, in, inside, my, inside my mind, I'm thinking, oh, man, I may, I may die today. I actually taught my kids, who are only half Latinos, they're half Latinos, half Slovak, that, you know, when they're stopped, their last name is still Martinez. And this is, if you hear that story from me, the superintendent, the bishop of the Central Conference, you can imagine what some of our other brothers and sisters are going through. And now, this is not so that you can feel bad about me. It's that so we can be grateful for who we are. Grateful for what God has done to us. When I talk about privilege, some people think, man, you know, you should feel bad for your privilege. And I don't think we should. What I think we should be is grateful so that we can do good things with our privilege. Oh, I, I wish I had a big, bigger amen than that. Nine. No, so I have not. Go on to the next one. So let me tell you some of the plans that God has for us. God has plans to bring us hope in a future. Are you, do you have hope? And, and do you have a future? I, I'm here to tell you, Redeemer, God is going to send you a great pastor. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Some of you don't think that yet. Well, in spite of that, I want you to know that he'll bring you a good pastor. <laughs> Number two, uh, but we are, are we aligned to his purpose? Are we seeking to do his will rather than ours? Are we prepared? You see, a lot of the churches want, want, want us to grow, right? But when we have people that come in, especially when we have some of our classic churches where they have their nice pews and stuff, and people that don't know how to go to church, they come in and they put their, their foot on the pew. They're like, oh my goodness, oh, the, the foot. When they don't see the soul, they don't see the person. You know, we want people to come to church, but they better be dressed nice. And they better know how to, how to behave in church. I love this, this little kid that was here. Because he was in church. If it bothers some of you, I'm sorry. But he was church. He felt like he was in church. And I love it when kids are making noise. Because some people are like, oh my goodness. I love it. That is church. That means we have babies. We have young people. We have The church is going to continue. He has hope for us. Are we willing to invest in the land? Are we willing to bless our community? But are we distracted? One of the things that distracts us a lot is technology. These things, I had four or five of my little nephews and nieces all together in my couch with me, and I'm like trying to talk to them, and everybody's like this. One of them put on Facebook, spending time with family, LOL. <laughs> so I made a rule in my house a long time ago. No phones in the dining room. We have, we have dinner together, no phones. But dad, that's not my name. No phones. And then there, I got this device. It was like a salt pepper shaker that I turn on and it interrupts all the Wi-Fi. At that time it was more Wi-Fi based. Now it's more cell based. But uh, it, it interrupted the Wi-Fi, interrupted the TV. 
And the kids were like, oh, dad. But then I got to hear from them like I would not have before. And the thing is that it's so much easier to give a child an iPad so they can medicate themselves. Because uh-huh. we're tired. We want to rest too. And these kids are so special. <laughs> Some of them even more. Politics. And some ungodly relationships. If God wants to use you, but you're not up to par, I've got to tell you. God knows the plans he has for you. Now the question is, do you know the plans that God has for you? Go on to the next one. I want to share with you the lead initiative. The lead initiative is lay equipping and developing. If you're, if you're a leader in this church or would like to be a leader in the church, we're going to be having a series of workshops that will be free for you. It's not free for us. We have to do a lot of fundraising to do that. But we'll be bringing some of the top trainers in the country from the covenant to invest on what makes a good leader, what kind of decisions do we make. You apparently have some really good leaders. In this time when there's no pastor, the church can fall apart. You have great leaders, apparently. You can hear from them, yeah. And praise God for them. Now, the danger is that when you get a pastor, the lay leadership goes, okay, we're done. And you're not done. You're just getting started. We're going to be uh, giving you resources. This is why we're overhauling our website. We're going to have a, uh, a toolbox with all of the things that we think you may need in the church, how to run a, church, uh, a, a service, how to run a meeting, how to have minimal, uh, meaningful dialogue. We're going to have some resources for small groups. Uh, we're going to have evangelism tools, etc. And this will be uh, made available free to all of the lay leaders in the church because we want you to have these kind of resources. And this is why you're financial partners with us so that we can give you these kind of tools and we can share them as, as colleagues. Go on to the next one. Church planting. We had not planted churches in the last 10 years the way that we would like to plant churches. So I want you to know that the most effective method of evangelism, such as you know from the church, is church planting. Also, uh, established church attracts one out of 10, and a church plant attracts one out of three. And what you will see in a, in a multicultural church like this is that many people will say to you, man, this church is so beautiful, it's just not for me. And you know why? Because it's a high cost. So I want to congratulate every single person that's here because you're not always going to feel comfortable with church. Mm-hmm. Because someone, Francis Chan posted something on his Instagram that said, uh, that someone told him, today worship wasn't great. I didn't like the worship today. And Francis uh, Chan, who's a very uh, popular uh, preacher, said, well, I'm glad because the worship wasn't for you. It was for God. Wow. I was like, oh, as a musician, I have learned to turn that off. Because as a musician, I was very critical of, of bands. And I want you to know, you have a good band in this house. I, I'm the only one that believes that. Wow. You know that some people don't have musicians in their church, right? 
And you're like, they're like, Acapulco, oh my God. Acapella, I'm sorry, but Acapulco. <laughs> you're so correct, my goodness. So church planting, uh, we are going to be planting five new churches this year. With no money. We have no money. We have no reserves. We have none of that. But my God is rich. And his people are going to be more helpful and contributing, I hope. Opportunities for multicultural ministry and partnerships. So finishing up, go on to the next one. Invest in the land. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray for the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And the last one says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you hope in a future. When you see how God works in these mysterious ways, that you already are understanding by being a church, a multicultural church, we're better together. But it starts with you wanting to be in a place where we're going to be honoring God with our lives, with our deeds. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy at this stage of your life. Redeemer is a beautiful church. Now God wants to take Redeemer to the next step. And I'm hoping we'll be able to that. I'm going to finish with this story. I was in an airport. I don't remember which airport. And a young woman was hysterical on the phone. And I, you know, obviously, as Americans, we don't, we don't like people that are emotional. I speak for myself, but I know I speak for you too. So we're like, you know, we, we, we claim they should have their own space, right? I'll give her space. Give her space. And what, I wanted to give her space very far away from her because she was being very loud. But there was no other space. There was no other place to sit down. I was writing a letter of recommendation to one of my pastors. And I put my headphones on and I tried to just block it out as much as I could, but I couldn't. So I finally took my headphones off. And I started listening to her on the phone. And it turns out that she was talking to her brother. And her brother had called her to tell her that he was committing suicide. He was about to kill himself as soon as she hung up. So she's begging him not to do this. And then he finally hangs up. She hysterically dials another number and it's her dad. And apparently they had not talked to each other for a long time. And she says, Dad, you and I have a lot to talk about. But right now, your son wants to kill himself. Please go find him. And then she hangs up, and she starts bawling right there in the airport. I'm still a pastor. And I want you to know, in this position, especially now, I have to be very careful with every, everything I say, every, every action I did. But I just forgot I'm a pastor. And I put my hand on her shoulder and I said, I'm a pastor, can I pray for you? And she threw herself in my arms. I wasn't expecting that. And she cried hysterically. And I prayed for her and her brother Michael. 
And after we prayed for her, she felt better. Now, this is really not a big deal, but I want you to figure this out. God cared so much about this young lady that he sent her the superintendent of the Central Conference to pray for her. As I said, not a big deal, but it was a big deal to her. Now, when I got home, I saw that my jacket had a little memento from that experience. And what I didn't figure out is that she had left a little stain right here, a mixture of makeup and mucus and <laughs> an eyelash, I think. And I'm like, this is a, this is, this is a, this is a ward wound. <laughs> this, is, this is something wonderful that reminded me that God is there with us in our pain, in our sorrow, in our confusion. You may not be where you want to be in your personal life. I can definitely testify to that. But he loves you. He delights in you as your beautiful child of God that you are to him. And because he does, you have a lot of reasons to celebrate and align him, yourself to his will. Because he knows he has plans for you. Oh my goodness, does he have plans for you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Can we pray? Father, we thank you because you know the plans you have for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope in our future. Father, I pray for those here that are going through difficult circumstances. Would you please place peace in their hearts? Peace that goes beyond our understanding. That in the middle of difficulties, we can still have joy. Where we can still rejoice that you are our God and we are your children. We celebrated these young people today and I thank you for that. I bless them in the name of Jesus. Father, I go against anything that wants to damage or destroy them in the name of Jesus. Let your safety and peace fall on them. May they always seek you. May they know who to go to when they're in trouble. I bless them and I bless their teachers that are investing in them. Father, we pray for your, the next pastor or Redeemer. We know that you already have that person. We pray that we may do your will. And we may know that you are God. Father, thank you for your dearly beloved children here. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And God's people say, Amen.